Founders Faith and Startup Supercharge. Today, we have an interesting guest, Carol Schultz. She is the CEO of Vertical Elevation. Vertical Elevation is a talent-centric strategy planning firm. And Carol is an expert. She is a coach. She works with executives at all levels. She is also the author of Powered by People. Welcome to Founderspace, Carol. So Carol, can you tell me what is talent-centric? What does it mean? There's three pillars to talent centricity, Steve. The first is leadership working under an aligned vision that everyone can articulate. So your focus is actually on your people. Everything you do drives better experiences for your people. And of course, that does include the C-suite. Secondly, it is a talent development strategy from recruiting to succession. And that succession runs beyond the C-suite. Mostly when people think of succession planning, as you might imagine, they think of, well, it's just C-suite planning, but that's not the case. So this also includes building diversity so that you don't suffer from groupthink. You know, I've said very often, I am not an advocate of diversity for diversity's sake. I'm an advocate of diversity because when you get diverse thinking, you get a much more successful company. And then the third thing is built-in blind spot awareness from established feedback loops. So if you think about the things that you know in your life, there's, you know what you know. And of course, there's the things that you know you don't know. Uh, but where great coaching and 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 blind spot awareness comes in is in the realm of you don't know what you don't know or your blind spots. So, and that's really about shifting how you think and then how you work. Why should you never take your talent to HR? I would say 98% of those have zero experience as a headhunter. Consequently, I mean, would you say to your to your uh, head of sales, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to have you reporting to human resources. I mean, you think they, you know, they needed to have their head examined. Well, why is that? Well, we're salespeople. Well, great headhunters are also salespeople. Why would you put right. them underneath human resources? So I am an advocate of having a chief talent officer. And that person uh, reports right to the CEO, not to the CFO, not to right. human resources. Can you tell us a story of when you went into a dysfunctional organization and had to make significant changes. Yeah. So I had a client, um, he was a former former client of mine, started a new startup and brought over uh, somebody from the former company who, (laughs) I don't even know how to describe him, um, was just a nasty SOB. I mean, really, I, I, I mean, I'd like to use a stronger word, but I'm not going to. He just, I mean, it started when a brand new employee was on the phone with him and her mentor, right? That was getting ready to go out on maternity leave. And this individual at the executive level was, and I am, I am not exaggerating, yelling and screaming at the employee that was getting ready to go out on maternity leave that was, that was training this Brand new employee who hadn't even been there a week. I think she'd been there for two or three days. And this employee called me up literally crying. Now, the um, end of that story is we did what we could to save her and we couldn't. She didn't Mm -hmm. quit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I had to go in and really have a come to Jesus meeting with the founder and CEO over this. I mean, do you think there's a first time this is going to happen? What did you... what did you say to the CEO and what action did the CEO take? I said to him, 
I said, remember at your former company, the amount of turnover that you had, do you have any idea? I mean, you want to talk about what that cost you? How much did that cost you? I mean, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, right? How much did that cost you? Because this is going to happen again. It doesn't matter that what you're building is fantastic. If you build it with people who piss off everyone that works for them. Um, and he, he, he agreed with me and, you know, he said, you know, I need you to start working with him. So let me ask you another question. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's a CEO out there and that CEO were to ask themselves three questions, what would those questions be? How do my employees see me? Because people think the employees see them a certain way and that's often not the case. Yes. So how am I viewed by my employees and is it how I think they view me? Okay, so that usually requires doing a 360. Yeah. Okay. Can be very eye-opening. Right. Um, how do I get the support that I need on a limited budget? Right. Like the hire those people that they can use. They're just like, how do I hire Carol? Because to help me, I don't want to do anybody's search for them anymore. I left that in the past, but I, but there's things I can do for them fractionally as a consultant to help them through this process. Right. So, so who are the people that I need that I can figure out a way to afford and use their genius so I don't have to be wasting my time? And the third thing that's going to be a little bit harder is self. What do I believe is the most important function of the company? What do I believe is the most, the most important department or function of the company that leads to our success? What's the answer? Tell me. There, there is, there is no most important department or function. Ah, <laughs> so Let it's a think trick about question. It. Well, it is a trick. It's a red herring, really. Yeah. Right. Yes. So think about a rimmed, a spoked wheel, Steve. Right. And if you think of your your talent strategies, the hub of that wheel. Yes. Okay. And what's spinning around that hub is all those spokes that go out to the rim. What happens when a wheel's not true? If any of those spokes are bent or not really on there true tight enough, it's going to start to, your, your wheel's going to start to not roll properly. That's to... why you have to look at your organization is every single department is of equal importance. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes sales isn't a little more important today, or maybe, you know, you, you've got a big bug. So engineering is really important right now. Yes. But overall, it has to go so that the wheel can roll straight. And it can't if you're looking at one department thinking, no, they're not as important as we are. A lot of Silicon Valley companies are like engineering, 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 product, product, product. And they're, yeah, and they're they're ignoring the other departments. That's right. And and not only that, engineers don't sell, by the way. Yeah, but they don't. I mean, you know, you ask a whole, t you ask an entire executive team this, what department or function do you believe is the most important to the success of our company as a whole? Right. Your head of sales is going to say, well, we sell, we're the most important person. Yeah, exactly. And, and, Everybody, and, marketing. And software engineers are well, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. <laughs> We build a product. You wouldn't have anything to sell without us. Great. You wouldn't have anything that, that could be sold without us, right? right? You know, customer success, all the people in your AP and your AR, your back office people. Guess what? If your clients don't pay their bills, they're not going to pay you.
Okay. This is just really important. All these things to really grasp. And so many companies, like you say, they're these Silicon Valley companies are just driven by tech. They're driven by money. That is a problem. Okay. I understand everybody needs to make money. I need to make money. You need to make money. We all need to make money to survive. So we're not all living under a bridge. But the reality is if you put all these other things in place, the money will come period. When you do recruiting, yeah. Um, what qualities most impress you when you interview a candidate? Okay, that's a really good question. So, you know, I often say, and, and companies don't often do, when they're doing this on their own, they don't often do this. I said to somebody once, you know, when you're not going to see a candidate till I've spent about three hours with them already, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less, just depends on, you know, what we're, what we're working on. Right. And I don't mean three hours at one time. These are over, you know, three phone calls or two phone calls or whatever, you know, how, how many ever calls it takes. And really important thing. And people don't do that, especially in contingent recruiting. People are busy. I'm saying you need to spend time with someone and make them feel like the questions you're asking are not in order to, as in manipulation. <laughs> I had people say to me over my career, God, I've told you, and I quote, I've told you things I've never told a recruiter before. That is a massive compliment. I don't go around puffed up over that. What I say is, thank you. I appreciate that acknowledgement. Here's why. I'm genuinely interested in people. If you are looking to hire somebody and you are not really genuinely interested in people and you're just trying to put an ass in a seat, it's not going to work. You have, through, Because yes. when, when people get that you're genuinely interested and in, I just want to get to know you. I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not asking you these questions in order to rule you in or out. I'm asking these questions because I want to make a match that works. And by the way, no one is a 10. Everybody's got something that's not perfect. So, you know, it would just be best if we have that conversation. So I can determine, okay, so they've got eight of the 10 things we're looking for. That's really awesome. Are those two things that they don't have things where will, can we teach them? Is it a need mm -hmm. to have? Is it nice to have? What are those things? Does that answer your question? Did so, I answer no, your question or not? You didn't yet, but uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. That, and let me summarize what you said. So you okay. basically, when you are interviewing candidates as a recruiter, uh, you want to have a, a real conversation with that's them. That's correct. Really get to who they are, not just check off all the boxes, that, ask uh, all the standard questions, yeah, and no. you know, because and and only through that can you really figure out they're a good candidate. Correct. And then my question is, what are the criteria that three most important criteria hmm. that you identify? when you're talking to people that really impresses you that makes okay, you say, it. wow, this person is Sorry an about amazing that. person. <laughs> so their authenticity, mm. right? Are they blowing sunshine up my skirt or are they just being who they really are? Okay. Yes. That's one thing. Um, the second thing is they are vulnerable mm. in some ways. I mean, I, it's hard to even point out why they would be or wouldn't be. But, you know, as I get to know someone personally, you know, how did this happen or why did that happen? That's where the vulnerability sometimes there's authenticity in there as well. But sometimes people just have to be vulnerable and, and think, mm -hmm. OK, this could this could bite me in the ass, but I'm going to I'm going to do it anyway. Um, 
And I mean, you you do have to look at are they smart, right? You know, you That's, can't just you can't just blow all that off and say, hey, I don't care if you're not a fit, we're gonna hire you anyway. They still have right, to be right. a fit for the job, right. right? There's skills and abilities and there's culture. Okay. Yes. And the reality is, is that over 50% of people leave a company within the first 18 months for reasons having nothing to do with their skills and abilities. What does that nice. leave? It leaves yeah. all those communication, interpersonal skills, the cultural piece. That's why people leave. Okay. There's so, there's a mismatch somewhere. So I am looking for in, in the authenticity and the vulnerability, I'm looking for the cultural piece. Are you going to be a fit with this organization? And then mm -hmm. of course, I also have to look at, do you actually have the skills and abilities? Yeah. And then the there, job? there is a third, there is a difference between skills and abilities and intelligence, right? Right. So intelligence is the potential to learn. Correct. And the potential to uh, really perform well on the job where mm -hmm. skills and ability are experience. Talk a little more about that and what you look for. So, so the, how, how somebody's going to perform on the job, the skills and abilities piece, you know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm asking questions just kind of similar to some that you've asked me, you know, tell me a story mm -hmm. and fill in the blank, right? Tell me a story. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm looking for a particular kind of engineer, that's, and this is not in my wheelhouse, but let's say I'm looking for a salesperson and, or a head of sales. I want to know what level of sales they've been at before. Have there been a first line, second line, third line manager? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think, well, I've been a first line manager because I was, I was, I reported right to the CEO. No, 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 no. Line management works from the ground up. Okay. You've got individual salespeople and then they've got a manager. That's a first line manager. That person reports to a manager who's a second line manager and so on and so forth. Managing individual contributors is exponentially different than managing managers. It's mm -hmm. a different set of uh, skills and abilities that, and that is across mm -hmm. the board, whether you're dealing with salespeople, engineering people, whatever your department is. If you have a stellar group of individual contributors, boy, they're going to make you look really good. Mm -hmm. And then you move to the second line, let's say, and you're managing managers for the first time. Very different how you have to manage. So in those in those interviews, I am looking for those types of things. For example, how did you, so now we're looking for a second line manager. So you've been, if you've never been a second line manager, I may have to take a, say, eh, I'm not so sure we want to interview this person. Now, do they have the ability to learn? Yes. That's the other part of what you said, right? And that's part of what I talked about a little bit earlier. You know, they may be an eight out of 10. The two things that they're missing are those things they can learn. Do they have that intellectual capability to learn? And are we able to teach them what they need to know? Mm -hmm. That's part of it. If we don't have the time to teach them what they know, we are letting them fail. Right. Some organizations, you know, especially startups aren't equipped to, right. to train people. They That's just right. do not have the talent and so you know what? You better go find process. somebody who, mm -hmm. if it's if it's for sales or whatever it is, you better go find somebody, a consultant who knows how to train those managers at that level. Where how can, can they people find reach you? me? They can reach me, Carol at verticalelevation.com. They can go to my website, verticalelevation.com, and schedule a call. There's a there's a link to schedule a call. Um, and they can call me. I, I don't mind phone. I love phone calls. 303-805-7635. I'm Captain Hoff, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and 
the five horses.